0: Hi, I'm George Norrie, and welcome to our Coast to Coast AM YouTube channel. Have fun, tell your friends, and share us with everyone. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Coast to Coast AM's mobile app. And always remember to log on to our website at coasttocostam.com for daily articles, the best paranormal information, and all you need to know about your favorite guests. And now you can become a Coast Insider directly through the Coast mobile app. We welcome our international listeners and even offer a free two-week trial. So don't delay. Become an insider today. Author Karen Wilkinson with us worked in the software industry for many years. As early as she can remember, she's been abducted by non-human alien entities, possibly hundreds of times. truly amazing. She has seen many UFOs throughout her lifetime and suffered emotional and physical ailments due to the things they did. She has written about her experiences and also is a regular contributor and writer to L.A. Marzulli's monthly newsletter, Politics, Prophecy, and the Supernatural. Her book is called Stolen Seed, Evil Harvest. Karen, welcome to the program. Looking forward to this.
1: Thank you so much, George. I'm so excited and happy to be here with you tonight.
0: And our friend L.A. Marzulli has written the foreword to your book. We just think the world of that
1: guy. Oh, me too. He's the most amazing person. He's a great friend, a great mentor, and just an amazing support.
0: Did you give him the support I think he needed a couple of years ago when that fire raced through the California area and took out everything he owned?
1: Oh, That was devastating, and I made a deal with him that every time I see him, I will bring him another book until we have his library refilled.
0: Oh, good for you. He's a
1: good Yeah, boy. it's a little thing, but it's just, just one little thing I can do, and you know, it's That was just devastating, devastating.
0: Right before we get into your story that uh, you worked in the software industry, what do you think of artificial intelligence this day? We were talking about it uh, over the last couple hours.
1: Yeah, you know, I think it's fascinating. I think that it has um, some very positive, amazing aspects to it, and it also has some very potentially dangerous aspects as well. Um, You know, it's something where it's as, as much as you give it, right, that's what it will be able to work with. So um, I, think, I think it's something we need to keep an eye on.
0: I think you're right. I mean, I think there's a possibility that artificial intelligence could go awry and out of control
1: exactly how much how much uh lease are we going to give that you know how how much information are we going to ha- let it have access to or is it going to gain access to with or without our permission and that's i think that's where it gets a little scary
0: the name of your book is called stolen seed evil harvest tell us about that title
1: yes um you know the the title is about the fact that um i had some missing pregnancies and um that I at like, a later like, point in life like actually taken
0: babies, taking embryos. Yes. Oh my God.
1: Yes, I um, was married. I was um, pregnant. Um, went to the doctor. Everything was verified. Everything was was there. And in the end of the first trimester. I uh, started to not feel well, but I didn't have any kind of a physical miscarriage. Went to the hospital because I was feeling really bad, and there was no baby. And they did a D and C, and there was no fetal tissue, no nothing. And they asked me, "Ma'am, are you sure you were pregnant?" And you know, I'd heard a heartbeat. I'd been through the doctors. I'd done all, you know, everything you do at that point, and it was just devastating because, you know, I never got I never got to know if it was a boy or a girl. I didn't get to mourn that child, to memorialize that child, you know, it was just gone. Did you
0: document the pregnancy, or did they think you were a little, eh, you know?
1: Well, you know, I had one doctor who had already documented that I was pregnant, and then it was an emergency room where they were completely separate. And, you know, this is mm, 40 years ago, so things weren't connected like they are today, obviously. Right. so, you know, they, yeah, in the emergency room, they're like, uh, were you ever even pregnant? You know, they, they thought I was, yeah, they thought I was crazy. Um, but they, you know, they could tell that something had been going on because my body, you know, your body changes when you're pregnant.
0: Well, do you think that these were hybrids or actually human babies that they Hy- stole?
1: Hybrids, absolutely because there was a point um, later where I was um, taken and I was able to hold one of these babies and it was very strange, a very strange experience. It was um, it was not like a normal baby where one of my normal babies would cuddle into me and mm-hmm. have a reaction to me. It just seemed to have no reaction to me. It was very, very small. And, um, did, it, did it look human? kind of, but it was a lot darker, almost a reddish purple color, almost blue, bluish. Oh, what about red. the head?
0: What about the head and the eyes, Karen?
1: Head was very large. It it was more head than body. Wow!
0: So they're definitely out of proportion, right?
1: Yeah, the proportions were just wrong, and it and it didn't it didn't cuddle into me, it was like holding a brick is how I described it, because it just didn't, it didn't respond to me the way, and even someone else's baby, when you hold it will kind of respond, you know, it didn't respond, and and I, I wanted to keep it, I wanted to keep trying, but I also didn't want to at the same time, you know, I was very torn, Um, And obviously, I didn't get to stay with that baby, but um, I think they were trying to see if it would bond to me or if I could, you know, I don't, I wasn't told what the purpose was for me to be there and trying to hold that baby, but I believe it was to get me to bond with it or maybe see if it would give it more human qualities. I'm not sure.
0: How many months into the pregnancy do you think it was taken?
1: Right around three months.
0: Three months, and then they raised it themselves, huh?
1: Because when I was, um, I read about this in the book, on the, um, in these facilities where they would take me, usually it was an underground facility, or um, there were hallways that were lined with what looked like, um, I don't know if they do this anymore, but it used to be you'd go into pet stores and they'd have walls of like aquariums yeah and it yeah. kind of looked like that, and they were everything was very dark and kind of backlit, like a red dark color, like a dark room well,
0: might would, it have been a spaceship that, that you somehow walked into and it, it could have been yeah
1: it could have been because you know uh, when when we were taken when I was taken um the um act of getting from where I was taken from to the final place. Um, you're not always awake and aware. A lot of times, you're shut off, turned off, um, put you know, to sleep, or something like that. Um, so you're not aware of where you and where you are, where you've ended up. Um, and uh, but there, you know, and I saw that the, um, the fetuses in what looked like artificial, what I know now today, would be an artificial womb.
0: How, how, many, how many did they have out there?
1: Oh, dozens and dozens. I mean, it was like on either side of the wall of the one hallway that I remember very more clearly. There were just above up to the ceiling, which was probably twenty feet high. Was just what all I could see were these these like it looked like aquarium squares about that same size of maybe a ten gallon aquarium. Um, And each one had something in it, and I couldn't see, you know, up high the ones, but the ones I could see down low looked like humans or similar to humans. You know, it's hard to tell.
0: As much as they can be, I guess.
1: Yeah, as much as you can tell. And, And it was very confusing to me because, you know, at that point in time, you know, we're talking in the 80s and 90s, we didn't have anything like that that I knew of in science and there were things like that on the news so I was very confused as to what all of that was.
0: Did you ever learn what the hybridization program was for? Was it for this planet or theirs?
1: No, no one ever you know they never sat me down and said you know gave me their agenda or their you know their thoughts on what why they were doing what they were doing. you know, I, I tend to agree with L.A. Marzulli on what the hybridization program is for. I think it's to create um, beings to be here on this planet to support that their agenda.
0: Whatever that agenda might be, and you think it's somewhat evil, hence the name of the title of your book. Stolen Seed Was You, Evil Harvest is What They Did to You.
1: I've met so many women who've had the same type of thing happen and been able to talk to them. And before I wrote the book, La Marzulli had released the fourth movie in his UFO series on abductions. And I was the kind of centerpiece of that movie. Yeah, I did that's, not
0: that's that. you. That was you.
1: Yes, that was me, and and I, everyone says you, I need to get a T-shirt that says, "Oh, you're that Karen." Yeah,
0: that's right. <laughs>
1: but, um, and that I was inspired to write the book because after that movie came out, and I was at a few um, places where he was speaking. Women, especially women, and men as well, but especially women, were coming up to me. And thanking me for telling my story. And they wanted to share their stories of very similar experiences. And they just wanted to talk about it. And they wanted it to be okay to talk about it.
0: How, and, how many times, Karen, do you think you have contributed to this hybridization program?
1: Well, I believe three for sure. Because I, later in life, was... And I had an opportunity to see three of them. Um, as, baby, 19,
0: as babies or grown?
1: As grown, yeah, as grown hybrid entities.
0: Did they look then at this point more alien than human?
1: They did. They were very short, very stocky. Very dark and colored skin, almost a bluish color of their skin.
0: So if you saw one walking down the street, you'd definitely say, that's not a human.
1: Right. These would not fit in. Um, clearly, this was earlier on in whatever program they're doing because what I've heard from other people is that, you know, now this program or, you know, there are apparently hybrids that are much more... Human-looking,
0: Right. So those weren't, you don't think they're walking among us. They'd stand out like a sore thumb.
1: Well, those ones would, yeah. And I do believe that there's kind of been a progression of trying to figure out how to get them to look more and more human. And I, you know, my opinion, this is conjecture on my part, is that, you know, it's how much human DNA and how much of their DNA does it take to make do, it. Do they mix, yeah. Enough they'll be whatever they are whatever this entity is in which race of these entities are they able to utilize to make them look more human
0: well what do you think might have happened to these original hybrids that didn't quite fit in
1: I have no idea but I know that the you know for for the rest of them I have no idea I would imagine because I've seen the three that were I knew they were mine because I had an instance, um, if you'd like, I can share that. Um, I woke up one night, and they were standing there beside my bed.
0: They being the, the hybrids or the ETs?
1: The three hybrid children that were clearly mine.
0: If you had to guess how old they were, what would you say in human years?
1: Human years, I would guess they were probably about in their thirties.
0: Okay. All right.
1: Thirties. Um did they
0: they speak to you?
1: They spoke to me like telepathically. They spoke to me without using words, but they did they did mind speak. They wanted me to come with them. And when I woke up I instantly knew they were mine because they they had features and things that just looked like my kids and there's something about a mom that knows her kids, you know. I've
0: oh, absolutely.
1: And things like that, or I can, you know, and I can always pick them out of a huge crowd, like a Where's Waldo kind of situation. I can always pick them out. And
0: were these three hybrids kind to you? No, they were not. No, not not right treating mama that way, right?
1: No, oh, they were not. They they were not kind, respectful, loving kids, and they were they came across as very uh, just. that you could just feel the anger coming off of them. Why? I don't know. I really don't because I hadn't had that I know of or that I can remember any other interactions with them. And I really for a long, long time wanted to because I thought if they're, you know, because I didn't know if they were living, if they had survived and I thought, if they were and they were half me, that maybe I could you know help, maybe I could take care of them, maybe I could you know be an influence on them, you know, help them or help raise them, anything you know as a mother, if it's your child, you don't care, you want you want to to be there for that child, it's just that nurturing mothering instinct,
0: and they so, wanted you to go with them, did you
1: no. No, no, no. I felt, it It was just, George, it was this pure feeling of evil coming off them. Of it was like, it was like standing in front of a coiled up rattlesnake. Wow. But there were three of them.
0: Now, how did they leave or how did they depart?
1: They departed when I, they, I broke the pool. They were really trying to, you know, pull me towards them and, um. Physically. Um, without they weren't using their hands but i felt myself starting to levitate
0: almost like magnetic huh? just mm-hmm. drawing you
1: exactly yes that's a great way of putting it i felt myself start to levitate off the bed and over to the side where they were and i called out jesus name and instantly i dropped onto the bed they disappeared and my husband just shot straight up in bed and, you know, it was, it was amazing because I couldn't get his attention that whole time. Um, and, uh, and they left just that as quickly as they came.
0: What took you so long to write this story?
1: It took me a long time to be able to deal with my own emotional issues from it. And what happened was a couple years ago I had a near-death experience. I kind of call it a near-life experience um, where I was in the hospital and I, instead of being given a sedative, I was given a paralytic and there was no one around me (laughs) and I died on the table. Literally? Literally. Oh, my. Literally died on the table, ended up with a stroke and all kinds of stuff from it. Um, And the death experience... I heard a voice saying, it's okay, you can let go now, and I instantly, in a blink of an eye, I was out of my body. I was watching things the doctors were doing in the other rooms. I could hear and see everything everyone was doing, even though I didn't have a physical body. And, George, the funniest thing about it was I still had, like, me, like my personality. And that's what struck me the most. So I keep telling everybody, be happy with yourself because you get to keep this. This self goes with you. <laughs> so, like, like yourself. Um, but and um, but after that, because of the paralysis part of it, and it was like drowning, but without being in water, it was just terrifying. I had a lot of PTSD after that, and I went through a lot of PTSD therapy to deal with that. And in doing so, that helped me really deal with the other things that I just, was. it was too hard to talk about.
0: Pretty dramatic. So this episode, one would say, inspired you to write this story.
1: You know, the episode inspired me to deal with it for sure, absolutely, and then to start to figure out how I can talk about it and and I'm like, there's got to be a way I can, you know, share this, use this, help other people find a way to get through it. Because I spent so much of my life just not able to deal with it.
0: Karen, have you ever undergone hypnosis for any of this?
1: No, I have not, George. That's not something I've done before.
0: It might be something that might be worthwhile. It might bring up even some more sharper memories, though. You seem to be pretty spot on with some
1: of these things. Yeah, it might. And I am uh, good friends with Michelle, uh, so, who you know. Um, and uh, so I might look into that.
0: Now, you state in your book that non-human alien entities are intervening with humans in an attempt to corrupt our bloodline. Tell me more about that.
1: Right. And that goes back to the hybrid beings, the hybrid entities, like the children that I talked about of mine that I saw, that were from me or partially from me. Um, and this is, I believe, goes back to the um, the hybrid programs that um, different you, you've um, different. Um, biblical verses refer to and also
0: like fallen angels
1: yes exactly exactly so back to Genesis 6 and you know Genesis 3:15 and the the seed war um, and I do believe that uh, some of these entities at least the ones that I have dealt with um, some of them were appeared to be fallen angelic beings.
0: So you think there's something satanic behind this?
1: I do, I do. I've had encounters with wonderful, beautiful, loving, angelic beings, and I've had encounters with not so wonderful, not beautiful, not loving, but fallen angelic beings. So there is definitely a very huge difference between the two, and we know that you know that that when um, Satan fell, he took a third of those angels with him. So uh, we know he's also outnumbered two to one
2: Do you that.
0: Do you recall being taken to other planetary systems, or do you think everything was done right here on planet Earth?
1: No, I think everything was done right here on planet Earth.
0: Do you have any idea where they're from?
1: No, they never sat down and told me where they were from. They never sat down and gave me any kind of a star map or any kind of an explanation for um, where they came from, just that, you know, they were more powerful than we were, that they um, were trying to interact with us and interbreed with us, and, um, you know, that but they never sat down and said, this is our agenda and this is where we're from.
0: Did your family know what was going on? Did you make them aware of it?
1: Well, when I was little, I tried. But then I was shown a screen memory of my family being um, hurt in front of me, and I was told not to speak to anyone about it. And I was continually told throughout my life that I was not to share what was happening or not to talk to anyone about it. And, And it wasn't just that, too, because when I was little, I tried, but, you know, George, we didn't have names for what these things were. You know, we didn't have names like UFOs and UIPs and Greys and Reptilians and things like that. There weren't TV shows, you know, on for it. There might have been Star Trek-type things or something like that, but there weren't, there weren't books and movies and shows and things like that to, to give us a language to put behind what was happening,
0: Did you ever ask yourself, Kieran, why you?
1: Oh, absolutely. I think I probably asked myself that question more often than I can count. Um, Yes, I did. I asked myself that a lot. Um, And I asked them, why? Why me? You know, why are you taking me? Why why are you out there? Like, they would always tell me that I was special, um, that I was... um, a good fit for them. Clearly, I was a good breeding type person for them. Um, you know, I have some physical qualities that seem to line up with other abductees that I've met and spoken with as far as blood type and things like that. Um, so, I think that's part of it.
0: Are you still being approached by them?
1: I'm still being approached, but I'm not being taken.
0: What do they want to do with you now at this point?
1: Um, I don't know because I, I'm not having any, you know, not allowing any more further conversation to that end. But honestly, the, the last interaction where there was um, sort of a conversation going on was that they wanted me back to continue to share their message. But their message, excuse me, um, you know, I was not one that I wanted to share because I I didn't agree with it, and it was deceptive in my opinion, and it wasn't something I wanted to do, and they were very unhappy about that.
0: Do you think there are some aliens that are well-intentioned
1: Yes, I do because I believe that these beings. <clears throat> sorry.
0: If you um, do me a favor, if you cough, move your mouth from the phone.
1: I am so sorry. Yes, absolutely. Do you
0: blow out my ears.
1: I am so sorry. I'm not used to uh, being on a landline. I apologize, George. i was sneezing. Um, there are good, you know, like I said, I have had interactions with really good angelic beings, and you know when you look up. In the sky, if you see a craft, if something comes down and and beings come out of it, you don't have any way to know if these are benevolent or malevolent, right? Because you can ask them, but a bad guy is not going to tell you he's the bad guy, right?
0: No, he's not. And L.A. Marzulli mentions in his foreword our friend David Jacobs. Who believes that there's a very nefarious uh, meaning behind these visitations so he would probably agree with you that these aren't all good
1: exactly exactly and you know it's just when you're taken against your will and you don't want this to happen then I have a hard time finding the benevolence in that
0: how old would your hybrids be today Still, okay. So mm-hmm.
1: probably closer to forty, yeah.
0: So when you saw the three of them, how long ago was that? Ten a few years ago? Two years ago. Okay.
1: About five years ago, maybe.
0: Not too long ago.
1: Yeah, I'd have to look at the the uh, date because I did write it down. Yeah, not too long ago, and um, I really wanted to know, you know, and and that was a thing, and I think that um, I was allowed to see them. I think God allowed that to happen so that I would have my closure finally, because if there was good in them, if they were good, if they were, you know, there was something there, then I wanted to be able to have a relationship with them.
0: You really wanted to treat them as your babies, didn't you?
1: I did. I really did. And I think, I think, um, Anyone who's had a child and maybe even people who haven't would probably be able to understand that feeling of, you know, when you've had a child. And, you know, that's I think that's why people, when they've given a child up for adoption or something like that, will, you know, later in life try to find that child because they still love them. Just because they couldn't raise them doesn't mean you don't love them.
0: Do you think the hybridization program is continuing today, worldwide
1: do, absolutely.
0: How many people do you think have been approached, have been uh, abducted, have been used for a breeding program, do you think?
1: Yes, my goodness. Um, That would be a really difficult number to speculate on. But what I can tell you is people come up to me at conferences or events or respond through my website or through... My Facebook page, you know, daily I hear from someone else. Practically, so I think it's a really high number. And you know, there was the the poll done in the seventies, right? Was that, that was said had a very high number then. So I think I think it's probably a very high percentage.
0: Now you mentioned Roswell in the Grenada treaty in your book. Tell me the tie in there.
1: The tie in for that for me was that these are two things that a lot of people are familiar with, especially Roswell. And I thought it was significant because it points out the fact that when Roswell happened, the government said, first, there was a headline, you know, that the saucer crashed. And then they yanked that back and said, no, nothing to see here. Nothing right.
0: Happened. Yeah, they and yanked was, that pretty darn fast, didn't they?
1: Exactly. and And then we're still getting that same game today oh, we have no interest in, in UFOs. Oh, yes, we are studying UAPs. You know, they, they created a, a narrative and a system where people think UFOs are crazy talk, and if you say you've been abducted, you're insane. And then they come back and say, but UAPs are real, and we have craft, and we have videos, and we have biologicals, so, but... We can't talk to you about it, but we're going to go have meetings with other people about it that you're not allowed to know about. So we're going to leave it all up to your imagination what we're saying. So it's this crazy back and forth of, no, they're not real. Yes, they are real. No, we're not doing any research into this. Yes, we are looking into this.
0: Interesting. Do you think governments are aware of what's going on with the abduction cases?
1: You know, it's just my opinion, but I absolutely do. Because I, from the time I was little, I saw humans.
0: Are they a willing party to all of this, do you think?
1: I don't necessarily think that all of the humans who are involved knew what they were getting involved in until it was too late to get out of it.
0: But do you think this is going on with the knowledge of the government that basically has turned its head?
1: Turning a blind eye to something that was agreed to a long time ago, into a program that was started and you can't stop, into a um, program that people get into not really realizing what they're getting into and then it's too late to get out of it.
0: Karen, this book that has come out this year, how do you get it?
1: Right now, it is available exclusively at lamarzuli.net, LA website. That's lamarzuli.net. You can find links to it um, at my website, which is KarenWilkinsonAuthor.com.
0: We've got that linked up for you at Coast Coast com. And you spell your first name K-A-R-I-N,
1: right? Yes, sir, I do.
0: How did you meet L.A., or how did he find you?
1: You know, it's a funny um, story, I just quite kind of by accident. And... Um, so I think it was really providence that we were put together, and uh, ended up at a conference where he was uh, a Christian conference, and um, and agreed to tell him my story just kind of on the spot.
0: I think your way. story has scared him.
1: It. I never thought I would tell anyone my story, and I don't know why I trusted LA. But I just had this feeling about him, and he's the first person besides my husband that I ever trusted to tell my story to.
0: And you can't trust him. He's a good guy.
1: He is the best. He really is, and helped me. And my dedication, I dedicated this book to L.A. who listened, believed, and is always there for me, because that is what he did.
0: Did and you know his working partner before he died, Richard Shaw?
1: I did not. No, I wish I had.
0: He was a good guy, too.
1: Yeah, he was amazing. And, you know, I just I just want it to be okay for people to talk about this. There are a lot of people out there, try, you know, trying to talk about it, and you are you have a lot of those amazing people on your show. And I just I want it to be okay for people to come forward and say, hey, this happened to me. And if they need to talk about it, that's okay.
0: Do you think anybody else in your family might have been abducted or contacted?
1: I do, but I can't speak for them.
0: You suspect it or you know for sure?
1: I suspect it and for um, one, I know for sure.
0: And this happened before you or after you?
1: Well, actually, uh, this one after me.
0: Both both of them? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so you were the first in the family too.
1: Well, I, I don't I can't say that I was the first in the family because I believe it did happen to my um, late grandmother and huh okay and possibly some other family members who are living that I I will not I don't want to speak for them.
0: Do you think the ETS select these families, whoever they may be, and concentrates primarily on them and their children?
1: I do. I think when they find a genetic line that works for them, a genetic line that they can work with to create hybrids or utilize for whatever they are utilizing that genetic material for, that they continue with that bloodline because it works and it makes sense.
0: It sure does. Mention LA's website again. We're getting lots of emails already about him.
1: Oh, dear. L.A. Marzuli L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I dot net. And you can link to that through my website. You can also link to that through my Facebook page, which is
0: just my name. And also, folks, if you search L.A.'s name on the com website, his website pops up as well in case you're in trouble and need to find it. What advice would you give somebody who thinks they're being abducted?
1: number one advice, pray and find someone to talk to.
0: If people who are listening to this program believe that they too have been abducted, who do they turn to? Where do they go?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. There aren't a lot of places out there for people to go. Um, One thing you can do, they can do, is reach out to me through my website, and I Try really hard to get back to everyone who reaches out to me as quickly as I can. Um, I'm researching a couple of different um, organizations that offer um, to be there to counsel and talk to abductees, um, but I don't want to put anything on my website until I feel like I've vetted it fully. Um, and they can they can go and search and look um, for organizations, because there are places out there that do offer um, help and counseling and support for abductees. Believe it or not, there are a lot more out there, I think, than most people realize.
0: I think you're right. Tell me about the handler that you had.
1: Uh, Yeah, this was a um, gentleman who was with me pretty much throughout almost all of my abduction experiences. Um, He just kind of created a Relationship with me, and um, we, you know, I got to know him very well. Um, Was he
0: an ET or a human?
1: He was an ET. He appeared as human, but much later in life, um, as our relationship grew, and I had a different type of relationship with him. He showed me his true form, and I can't say that I've seen, I've looked. I haven't found a picture of anything that looks quite like him, but he was reptilian in nature, and I describe him in the book as best I can. Um,
0: And you felt comfortable with him?
1: Very, very much so. Does he
0: still come around? I'm sorry? Does he still come around?
1: once in the last uh, couple of years to try to convince me to come back. And he looked very different. He looked sickly. Um, His skin was no longer um,
0: like he was aging,
1: shiny, almost sparkly look to it. And it was matte colored, like a matte greenish color. He didn't look good. So I um, I don't know what that's about, but it was shocking how different he looked when I saw him the last time.
0: And what do you mean by convince you to come back? Do you do you have the say so in this matter?
1: Um, yes, I absolutely do because I'm protected by a higher power than than them by their creator.
0: Well, at what at what point did you realize you're in control?
1: And you know, I wouldn't say that I'm in control, but that my Creator is in control, that God is in control, and so um, has give, gives us that authority, you know, through through my faith. Um, and I realized that about five years ago.
0: Interesting. Let's go to the phones. John is truck driving in Ohio, one of our favorite states. Welcome to the show. Hey, John.
2: Hey, good morning, George, and, and good morning, Karen. I, I got a couple questions now. when you were pregnant through these pregnancies did you carry them
3: full term or did they come back and take them like six they, seven months they, months
0: they took them uh, john at three months
3: okay so there was no you, you didn't have a chance to be examined by a doctor here i mean did you did you go to a doctor here to see what was going on and maybe they could see what was going on to be examined
1: i did thanks john those are great questions and i love ohio um, stay safe out there. I did go to doctors um, for these pregnancies, and the pregnancies were confirmed. Um, you know, and that early in the pregnancy, they confirm your pregnancy. Sometimes you'll get to hear a heartbeat, you'll get your prenatal vitamin. Back then, you got a prescription, and things were a little you know, different back then. So I already had those pregnancies confirmed by doctors. When, when it happened.
0: How many human children do you have, Karen? Um,
1: I have
0: three biological and five total. Now, when you say three biological and five total, what does that mean?
1: <laughs> that I've, uh, we've adopted a few along the way.
0: Oh, you have. Okay. Right. <laughs> and then three hybrids that you know of.
1: That I know of, yes.
0: Interesting. But at no time did they ever try to take you? physically to a different planet?
1: Not that I am aware of, no. That doesn't mean that didn't happen. It just means I don't have a memory of that at all. and uh, Or if they did, I didn't know that's where I was, and I wasn't told that, but no.
0: Did you ever have nightmares about this?
1: Um, I have, yeah. I've had uh, some nightmares. I don't fully remember them, except that waking up from a nightmare about something that happened,
0: Have they gone away now?
1: Not really. Mostly, Uh yes. Occasionally, I'll
0: still have them. Okay, so these things still happen every once in a while.
1: Yes, yes.
0: Did you feel violated? Absolutely. Let's go to Aaron in Fountain Valley, California. Thanks, Aaron. Go ahead. Hey,
4: George. Thanks so much for taking my call. You truly are the Nighthawk.
0: Uh, the thank one and only. Sir. I love it,
4: um, uh, Karen. I am interested in the male aspect of that, of whether it, it, what your insight is into whether it could happen to someone like me, and whether it happens in your sleep, like you might not even know it, and, and possibly what you your thoughts are on that.
0: Yeah, could they get to a male and take his DNA and take what he has to take in uh, in order to create hybrids, Karen?
1: Uh, Hi. Yeah, thanks, Erin. That's a great question. Absolutely, yes. And I have a couple of male friends, um, two of them were in L.A. Marzulli's movie, uh, the fourth one, um, who have had exactly that happen.
0: Interesting take on that. There could be thousands and thousands of hybrids, Karen.
1: There absolutely could be. I mean, this is going on for so long, and there are so many people here on this planet to work with as well. So, you know, we have no idea. And if they're walking among us at this point, they could look so much like us that we wouldn't be able to pick them out of a crowd.
0: Is it possible that this is a program to replace us?
1: I think that's entirely possible. You know, it's unfortunate because anything about that I say would be speculation because they haven't shared that with me. But, you know, if if they wanted to, they certainly would be able to with the numbers they could have.
0: Let us go to Brendan in Austin, Texas. Hey, Brendan, go ahead, buddy.
4: Thank you, Karen and George. Uh, Very interesting. Thank you. Uh, All the shows tonight and this week have been great. Uh, different hybrids Next. are maybe different tools, right? you got to use a different tool for the right job. Uh, I saw a gray one time, and it was uh, kind of negative and definitely deceptive, I can tell you. But I think that there was, like, positive things helping us. And I had two coworkers who they don't really know that I'm curious about this topic. They were, like, newer. All the people that are have been there forever, I mean, they know me. But... <laughs> uh, They told me that they were both in Seguin and they independently told me this like months apart, if not a year or more apart, both in Seguin, Texas, which is nearby in like Whitley Strieber type area where I live in. And they said one told me that there was a gray in their living room. She saw crossing the living room and the other one told me that there are orbs that come down and that the coyotes will go into a frenzy and that they start screaming and it sounds like they're eating each other alive or panicking like a crazy frenzy you've never even imagined. But um, how do people know if they're being abducted or if they have been abducted? And then what did you think about Whitley Strieber, who I have a lot of respect for? I'm sure everybody does. Doing a circle with his book Communion, uh, which you know, means coming together. And then he was pretty trepidatious about ETs and probably still is and cautious for a while. And then he kind of has come back around. And on Twitter, in his latest book, and on Coast to Coast, he's talking about ET helping us and stuff like that. And I think having evolving views is healthy and natural regarding this topic. But, and then these are more rhetor- rhetorical. You don't have to answer them. This is just for thoughts. But if greys are as evil as you had felt, why do you think that they came, that they let you tell the story instead of eliminating you? And could the hybrids have been upset with you because they felt abandoned by you? that you didn't go with them, that that they're, they're your mom. That you're their mom and you didn't go with them. And when you cried out, uh, Jesus, that they
1: realized that they were upsetting you or hurting you and let you go. Those are great questions. Wow, that was a lot, Brandon, and um, some interesting stuff. Um, I'm in Texas, too, so I'm aware of a lot of the places that you talked about. Um, you asked um, why... You know, they, if they were not benevolent, then why didn't they eliminate me? Or hurt when you. Yeah. I decided to write the things that I wrote because I'm protected by a power higher than they are. Oh. And then I am protected by the most high.
0: And they know that, don't they? Yeah.
1: And I've watched them back away. And they, they can't touch me. And they know it. Not that they haven't tried Trust me, they have, but I've got a good friend named Vicki Joy Anderson who wrote a book called They Only Come Out at Night, and she has helped me with um, Breaking Covenants and things like that. She's just amazing.
0: I think she's going to be an upcoming guest on our program.
1: She is. I think she's on on October 30th, and she's been on before, I believe, too. So yeah, yep. She's amazing, another one of L.A. Marzoli's friends, um, good friends. Um, and so that that's what happened there. And I think, you know, I, I, that's a really good point. You know, do I think that the hybrids felt bad, that maybe they were hurting me when they called out, when I called out to Jesus' name? Now, the issue I have with that is that, you know, they were standing there not offering me love, not offering me kindness, not offering me, hey, Mom, we love you. Will you come with us? Do you want to be with us? There was none of that. It was, come with us, it was done with no kindness or love whatsoever. There was no love and light no, there.
0: Just no emotion.
1: No emotion. Well, there was some emotion It was evil. It was just negative towards me. Hmm. It was like they hated me. Let's go mean, to... you could just feel this seething hate come off of them. And I was shocked by that because the second I saw them, I was like, oh, these are my kids. And the first thing I felt was love. The first thing I wanted to do was embrace them and just jump up and, and be like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to get that
5: chance,
1: you know. And it makes me want to cry because that's the first thing I felt. And their response to me was not love. Their response was just disgust and disdain. And well, was-
0: they didn't get those kind of genetics from you, so I wonder how they got that part.
1: Right. Well, thank
0: you for saying that. And no, that just, and that broke my heart, you know. Let's no. go to K- Carol okay, in Florida. Right. Go ahead, Carol. It
1: like
0: a- Carol? Hello? Go ahead, hon. Hello? Uh, go- who am
5: I connected to?
0: You were on the show, Carol. Go ahead.
5: Oh, okay. Yes, my daughter had a best friend who confided to her, that she had been abducted and evidently was told she produced some sort of child through aliens and that her father also evidently it ran in the family my daughter's friend was so fearful that she became very connected to the Catholic Church you know and wanted protection um, that is really all the information that I have and this is important this is an important topic and show
0: did you believe her Carol I'm sorry, what? Did you believe the girl? Did I what? <laughs> Did you believe her?
5: I do. I absolutely do. Yeah.
0: And what do you think of that, Karen?
1: Carol, um, good for you. Thank you for believing her. And, you know, if you have a chance to just be there for her, if she wants to talk about it, you know, the one thing that I can say for me and for my friends who've been in this situation Sometimes we just need someone to listen, knowing that someone believes us, because these these are real things happening to people, and we've spent our lifetimes just being treated like we're making this up, and that in itself is just devastating. So thank you for believing your daughter's friend.
0: Let's go to Joe in Monterey, California. Hey, Joseph, go ahead.
6: Thank you for taking my call, George.
0: Thank you, Joe.
6: Uh... Well, I want to congratulate your guests for coming out and writing books and, and getting uh, into the public eye. It takes a lot of courage. It does. They yes. uh, they make you forget, by the way. They can control your memory. They can make you forget. If you were abducted when you were young, it may come out in your dreams if you don't remember the actual experience. It may come out in dreams later on in life. Um, I feel that what you were holding did not have a soul. It didn't have a soul because a soul wouldn't really want to incarnate into an abomination like that. Maybe they're kind of keeping it alive through your energy of love. And also uh, they want someone to bond. They want, like you said, they want a spokesperson for their agenda. And we have them on the earth. There are people that really believe that, oh, no, they're really good. No, none of the grays are good, really. Uh, there's only one race, and, and that explores the earth for crystals and information like that. But these, these are um, – this is an abomination completely. Now, I want to ask you, um, did, you uh, did you get more information through your dreams? And also, um, they don't leave us, George. Once you're tagged, they will watch. They may not interfere, but if you're going to do something that really exposes them, like get out take out an implant because I used to have an implant in a certain place, and I was thinking of getting it changed uh, or taken out, and uh, it disappeared, and it moved, and the skin was uh, covered over, so they that had happens. to be uh, monitoring my thoughts as well. It- um, did you feel? do you ever feel a presence
1: and not see them? Because they are very curious, by the way.
0: Do you feel that presence still, Karen?
1: You know, I do sometimes, yes. But the funny thing is now is that it's always outside of my home and never inside of my home. So I have this beautiful protection always around me and inside my home now. So I'm, you know, very, very grateful for that.
0: Interesting takes, and give out L.A. Marzuli's website once again, Karen.
1: Yes, his website is L.A. Marzuli, L.A.M.A.R.Z. is in zebra, U.L.L.I. dot net. That's L.A. Marzuli dot net. How
0: did you stay so strong, Karen, through all this adversity?
1: I didn't. You know, I've had my breakdowns. I have had. Some incredible, challenging, incredibly challenging times, and I write about that in my book too. That um, there are times where I, I'm honestly surprised I'm still here. But uh,
0: were you depressed?
1: Oh, definitely.
0: So yeah. you've you've been through a lot then?
1: Yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot. But you know, one of the things that's always kept me going is is my family and the kids and just love.
0: And your faith as well.
1: My faith is the number one thing.
0: So where do you go next with this story? What do you do? You've got the book out. You go to conferences. What next can you do?
1: Um, Well, I'm going to talk to as many people as I can, help as many people as I can, answer as many questions as I can, and then see where God leads me next.
0: And it will probably take you to higher mountains, don't you think?
1: Probably, uh, yeah. We uh, make plans and God laughs. So yes, <laughs> and I'll go wherever
0: he sends me. Will you stay safe out there? All right.
1: Absolutely,
0: I will. All right. Thanks, Karen. Appreciate you being on the program. The name of the book is called "Stolen Seed, Evil Harvest." It's available on L.A. Marzulli's website, which you can get to by going to Karen's at com. For some people, demons and entities seem to be a problem as well, and if you need a clearing. There's no better one than the spiritual warrior, Bill Bean. Bill, let's talk about that other case of possession that uh, is in the book, uh, The Connection, if you would, please. Absolutely. And
3: George, I'd like to, if we have a moment after that, I'd like to mention uh, briefly a couple recent ones that I feel you would probably be very interested in hearing about. Absolutely. Uh, But let me speak about this really quickly. Um, This one took place on March 31st, 2018, in Orlando, Florida. And uh, I arrived at the home, and, you know, George, usually I can feel it again. I don't claim to be anything, but God does give me a knowing of things. He has bestowed gifts, I'll say it that way, upon me. And I could sense evil right away, you know, pulling up and getting out of the the rental car. And um, as I'm walking up the walkway, you know, I could— I could sense it. I could feel evil present, and the uh, it, it was a very nice family, and, and the the lady of the house was the one being affected, and she too had some suffering in her childhood, and she was exposed to, uh, Santeria, mm-hmm. and Santeria uh, curses, which is you know it's like a Caribbean voodoo, and so she had exposure to that and was victimized by that as a child. And so she had been having on and off bouts of what she believed was demonic possession over the years. I think it was just a, a strong oppression that eventually did turn into a possession, and I didn't even think that until it was time to perform the deliverance. So I'm sitting there with her and her husband, very nice lady, he's a very nice man. Uh, Met the kids. Everything seemed well between all of them. We're talking. um, And the more we talked, the closer it was getting to the time at hand of the deliverance.
2: Hmm.
3: So I asked her husband to go up and and fill the tub that I was going to ask her to stand in the water. I was going to bless the water first. I was going to ask her to stand in that water, and I was going to perform the deliverance over her while she was standing in that blessed holy water. So everything was going according to plan until we got into the bathroom. When it was time for her, after I said the prayer, and I could notice when we were going up the steps, her body language, you know, she was changing, that she was becoming nervous and apprehensive. And, you know, and again, you think, okay, well, this person's going to be a little nervous. I mean, something like this is about to happen. You know, they're going to be disturbed by it. So I'm blessing the water, and now it's time for her to get in. And all of a sudden, George, it takes her over, and it becomes a physical struggle. And her husband, he was right there, and he did assist me. He stayed right there with me, and we had to physically subdue her. And get her into the uh, tub, and my goodness, was it ever a struggle! Same thing, spitting on me, trying to bite me. Cursing. Her Eyes changed to black. Um, there were voices coming out of her, and she, her tongue looked like a, it was like a serpent. It was coming out and going all over the place. I, it was just unfathomable. And then she started, it it wasn't her, it was those demonic uh, entities Mm -hmm. in her. They were screeching and screaming. I can't believe that the neighbors didn't call the police. That's how loud this was. And so, again, I had to be unwavering in, you know, what God was having me to do. And I continued, even with that screeching, and I continued to take power and authority over it every time I did that, it would stop, and then it would start back up again. So this was a battle back and forth for quite a while. And uh, to make a long story short, God did work through me to deliver her from it. And when she was delivered, she vomited everywhere. That happens sometimes, George. It comes up through the mouth like that. And uh, after that happened, she was delivered. And then God bless her husband. He cleaned all of that up, and we had to put fresh water in there. Sure. And I re-blessed the water and then baptized her in that, and she's been great ever since, thank God. But let me tell you, I will never, ever forget that day.
0: And it seems like she was calm, and then something really kicked her into high gear. What would have done that? I
3: think what it was is the entities knew it was time for eviction. Uh Aha. So when it's time for eviction, you know, they're going to hold on and fight with everything that they have because they don't want to go.
0: They were fighting you.
3: Yes. They have a host body and that's what they want. And when they could get into a person like that and have that level of control, they don't want to go anywhere. So I am definitely, you know, a mortal enemy to these demonic forces, and again, it's by the power of God that I'm even still alive, George. Because I believe that if if the devil would have had his way, he'd have killed me a long time well, See, devil, that's by the power of God, I'm still alive. That's
0: what I asked you: if you've ever been attacked or hurt, you've been yeah. very fortunate. Yes, absolutely. Can we and can I'll, can we say ahead. you were lucky?
3: Well, I, I would say blessed. Uh, you know, I'm definitely under god's full blessing and and i am not perfect i don't claim to be perfect i try to do the best that i could do and be the best that i could be each and every day of my life because i have to be somebody to and for somebody every day of my life so i can't let down and so i thank god and praise god for that um and i will say this as well that my life is 50 times more blessed than it's ever been cursed And I could never thank God and praise God enough for that.
0: Let's talk about a couple other little cases you had mentioned, then we'll get into the Mandela effect, and then we'll take calls with you, Bill. What uh, what other cases Um, did you uh, happen to have? I want to talk with
3: you about something that took place on November 18th, this uh, 2018. And uh, your webmaster has it posted on the Coast to Coast site, a couple of those photographs. And this took place in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and this took place uh, at the home of a family that I had already helped. I'd previously been there. I love them dearly. They're they're like family to me now, and and I feel that way about all my clients. I you know after this is over with, I try to be there for them and do anything that I can for them, and and always be there and somebody that could comfort them and help them to move forward. So. This is Anita Tetzel and her son, Chris Levis, Um, great people. Anyway, they started having problems again, and they asked if I could come back, which I did. And, again, I sensed the presence of evil when I entered into the home, really walking up the walkway as well, but I entered in. Now, usually, George... I would never ask someone to do this, uh, because most people, they don't want to document. They don't want to take photographs. They don't want video. They're very embarrassed and ashamed by it. They don't want people to know it. But on this occasion, I felt that God was urging me to say to Chris, I want you to stand behind me as I'm going through this house. And they'd have... They had had severe demonic problems in the past They got work to me to deliver them mm-hmm. and to get rid of the garbage out of the home, and somehow it would come back in. And so I asked Chris, I said, I want you to walk behind me as I'm going through the house and just take random photographs. I really believe that you're going to capture some things in these photographs. And so sure enough, he captured many images, uh, two that I believe to be divine. Angels, and then the rest I I believe to be demonic. And uh, one in particular, which is on your Coast to Coast website, was this face. And I mean, it's very clear. It's very clearly defined. It looks like a demonic entity. And if you look closer at it, it looks like fangs.
2: Oh, it's
0: horrible looking. It's horrible.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Out of the right side of the mouth. And um, so this was in the basement of the home.
0: It looks like Frankenstein, the face, doesn't it? Exactly,
3: George. Exactly. And I mean, that's one of the most defined pictures that I've ever seen of what I believe to be a demon. And so I was drawn over to the uh, chimney area, and part of that house was built in the 1800s. And there was like a little potbelly stove uh, connected to this this chimney area down in the basement. And it was a block wall and i felt that there was a portal there so this is something that i didn't discuss with you earlier that i should have is that not only you know do i have to by the power of god bind and rebuke and cast out demonic forces but i also have to close the portals as well because there are portals everywhere that's not easy travel no it's not and and so i'm standing there in front of this block wall where God had led me to, where I believed a large portal was. And I'm binding and rebuking and closing the portal. And as I'm doing this, George, just as you're hearing my voice now, this groan, growl type of thing came out from within the block wall. I needed Chris were standing right there with me. We all heard it clearly. And so after hearing that, I had to jump right back into action and take power and authority and buy and rebuke it cast out, and then it departed. But it was, again, something that you and the uh, listeners, you'd have to be there to see it and hear it for yourself to truly understand and appreciate what I'm saying.
0: Let's take a few calls here for you, Bill, and we'll come back and talk more about these events and the Mandela Effect as well. Let's go to Colleen in Red Bluff, California, to get things started. Hi, Colleen.
5: Hi, George. Thank you, I think, for taking my call. I'm actually kind of really nervous. Um, I was married for a long time to an abusive man, and there were many times, just to cut it short, it was abuse verbally, physically, mentally, whatever, and sexually. And um, I can distinctly remember at least three or four times where I saw the face of Satan Well, he would be raping me and choking me, and I would have fought him off physically as hard as I could, and I was strong back then. And, I mean, I would be sweating just out of energy trying to fight him off. And um, I just i feel like I've been stuck. And I don't know if there's residual effects from that or whatever, but I know. I know.
0: Do you I know feel possessed?
5: Just, I don't know if I feel possessed, because I've done, I mean, a single mom, four kids, raised them all, worked hard. And, and where
0: is he? Know. He's done. He's gone, right?
5: He died, yeah. He oh, died he died. Three, yeah, about three and a half years ago. But, I mean, I, we were divorced a long, long time ago, but, you know, I mean, God has been amazing in, in letting me raise my kids and everything that we went through. I mean, just a host of things, but um, personally, I just feel like i just not worthy. I don't know. I, I...
0: Well, let's bring the expert in to talk with you. Bill, go ahead.
3: And I'm very sorry that you've suffered in the way that you have. And I want you to know that God does love you, and God is with you, and God is for you. And I think it's time for you to start a new chapter, a new season in your life, making God first in your life and have a real connection with him. And allow him to show you that you are somebody and you are worthy. So I would suggest to you, that, and whether it's me or somebody else, find someone to help you with this type of spiritual—and this would be more of a spiritual cleansing for you. And I would also recommend that you'd be rebaptized as well. And start a new chapter and a new season in peace, freedom, and victory— I want you to look forward and never look back. Okay.
0: And you can get a hold of Bill through his website, Colleen, billbean.net, linked up at coast coastamcom
3: That's it. And uh, God bless you. And if I can be of any assistance in any way, please, like George said, he just gave you the website. Don't hesitate.
0: Let's go to Ed in uh, Hemp Hill, Texas. Ed, welcome to the program.
2: George, it's such an honor. To talk to you. Well,
0: thank you, Ed.
2: And Bill, when I was nine years old, my mother went to Kmart and bought a Ouija board.
0: Oh, boy. Oh, boy.
2: uh,
0: She thought it was a game, right?
2: Thought it was a game, yeah. And my brother, me and my brother played it. He was three years old and he was 12. Uh, He died at 25 years old.
3: Mm. Oh, my.
2: And everybody in my family, except my father, he's 82, has died.
3: I'm very sorry
2: to hear that.
0: You think a lot of it was tied to that
2: Ouija board, Ed? I think everything was tied to it.
0: Anything happened that you could recollect for us? when you were playing it? And how many times did, did you and your brother uh, use the board?
2: Uh, well, we mess with it every day.
0: Every day. Oh, my
2: gosh. Every day.
0: It's a portal, Bill, isn't it? Stay away from those Ouija boards. Wow. I'm George Norris, somewhere out there on Coast to Coast AM. We'll
2: see you on our next edition. Until then, be safe, everyone. The Coast Mobile app is now available for download on iPhones
0: and Android devices. You can become an insider directly through this app. This is a great option for our international listeners and new users will also receive a free two-week trial.